On October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted 95 big questions which he believed faced the church of his day to a local church door in Wittenberg, Germany. 500 years later, I decided to post 95 new questions, one a week, to the web, questions which I believe the church must face in the 21st century. God is love, and once you understand that, everything else cascades from it. Every other category, every other piece of thinking in the New Testament, every piece of Paul's thought is defined by it. When my children were young, I would warn them not to do things that I knew might hurt or harm them. But what I never said to them was, if you disobey me, I'll reject and punish you forever. My purpose, and hopefully most of the time my tone, was very different. I love you, and I don't want to see you hurt or injured. And when those wonderful, those sometimes stubborn, sometimes self-centered, young and immature children of mine broke those boundaries, as was inevitably the case, my response was usually, I'm glad to be able to report, motivated by my love. But when it wasn't, whenever my anger got the better of me outside the context of my love, it always left me filled with a deep sense of regret and having to apologize to them, to my children, for the immaturity of my behavior. So how can it be that our view of God is that the message for us is, look, I love you and I want the best for you, but don't mess with me. Because if you choose to disobey me and the guidelines I've given to you, I'll make sure that you pay for it forever. That's not love, it's megalomania. God showers all humanity with unwavering, unconditional, fatherly and motherly love. But it's also true that we live in a consequential universe and wrongdoing has its consequences. Which is why God, as we saw in Chalk Talk 80, is filled with anguish and frustration at our selfish and our short-sighted decisions. As Jesus once explained, love your enemies and do good to them and you will be children of the Most High because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. God the Father is kind and merciful, as Jesus said, even to the evil and ungrateful, which means that we're punished by our sins, not for our sins. In the light of this, let's take another look at those words of Paul from Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God, he says, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. First, remember that from Choctaw Katie that the phrase the wrath of God is much more accurately translated as the anguish of God. But then, added to that, what's often not seen is that having made his point, Paul then goes on to explain exactly how God's anguish, the outworking of his deep love, is revealed. Verse 24 reads, Therefore God gave them over 
in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. Verse 26 reads, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Verse 28 reads, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. So here's how I understand it. God, though racked with pain, the pain of anguish, because love never imposes itself, gives them over. God gives these people up to their own sinful ways, their errors. God doesn't punish them or harm them in any way though. Instead, trembling with sorrow, God simply lets them go the way they've chosen and weeps as they punish themselves by their own short-sighted and wrong decisions. They reap what they've sown. But here's the thing, none of this means that God gives up on them. We're punished by our sins, not for our sins. This is what Paul, in what we know as 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is so keen to help us understand. Love, he says, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then in verse 8 he adds, love never fails. Now, tragically, in my view, much of the church still teaches that the Christian God is a God of conditional love rather than undeserved grace. A God whose strapline is something like, turn from your sins and place your faith in Christ who died in your place on the cross, or you'll pay for it forever. The result, countless people, including Christians, are left struggling with a deeply embedded sense of an angry, vindictive and violent God. And it's left many of them, too many of them, profoundly damaged. But Paul couldn't have been clearer. There's no small print, no conditions apply limitation clause. Love never fails, he argues. So a question for you, is this true or not? Does never in Paul's writing mean never or not? Did Paul simply get carried away with himself in a rash and flowery flourish which he later regretted? Or were his words deliberately and very carefully chosen? I say much more about all of this in my new book entitled The Lost Message of Paul, which is out now. You can order your copy from openchurch.network slash lost message of Paul.